the last few weeks have been listening to this song and it's just been ministering to my heart. I just want to say thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but often we do not have a grateful heart. Often we are looking at what's going on around us and we're not very happy. We're not very thankful. We think that to have a grateful heart, it means everything's going good. We have more than enough, that we're blessed and that we get everything we want and therefore then we'll be thankful. But can I tell you, a grateful heart is not determined on what you have or don't have. It's not determined on what you're going through. It's not determined on your circumstances. It's a choice that we make every single day, whether we're going to have a grateful heart or a grumpy heart. Whether we're going to have a grateful heart or a, an entitled heart that says, I want more, that it's not enough, and it's not good enough. I want to read to you from Psalms 138, verse 1. It says, thank you. Everything in me says thank you. Angels listen as I sing my thanks. I kneel in worship facing your holy temple and say it again, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Most holy is your name. Most holy is your word. At the very moment I called out to you, you answered me. You strengthened me deep within my soul and breathed fresh courage into me. This Thanksgiving, this season, where we are supposed to say thank you to God, thank you to others. And sometimes we do it, but we do it with a grudging, with a grudging heart. We do it half-heartedly. Hey, thanks for washing my car. Or thanks, thanks for that birthday present. And we're not really doing it with a grateful heart. You know, I had my, my um, three grandkids here this weekend at my house for Thanksgiving. And I have a four-year-old little boy, Henry, two-year-old little boy, Titus, and then precious little Mia, who is almost one month or four months old. And they are quite the characters. I'll start with my four-month-old. Mia can one moment be giving you the stink eye. She can be looking at you and thinking, what, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? Another moment, she can have the biggest smile, giggling and laughing. Another moment, she can let out the loudest scream I've ever heard and the loudest cries when she's, and it's not because she's hurting, usually. It's because she's maybe a little mad because she doesn't get her way or get what she wants. She's only four months. Then I have my grandson's. A four-year-old who I remember going to Little Rock and him at his other grandmother's house running up and wrapping his arms and legs around me and holding me and loving on me. And I just thought, I'll give you anything. I'll do anything for you. We were decorating the Christmas tree. Um, well, because he said, Lonnie, Lonnie, can we decorate the Christmas tree? I said, sure, we'll decorate the Christmas tree. So we get out the tree, we put it up, we put the, start putting ornaments on it, giving my two grandsons ornaments to put on the tree. And little Titus is having fun putting them on. And Henry's kind of doing it grudgingly. And then he says what he really meant. He says, where's the presents? Decorating the Christmas tree was not about the ornaments, but it was about the presents underneath. 
And of course, we laughed, and, and he grudgingly went through the motions. Titus was having the time of his life putting the ornaments anywhere he could. But, you know, we laugh about our children, our grandchildren having grateful hearts. But this is what I know. I'll do anything for them when they're grateful. I'll give them anything. I'll give them more. I'm happy to do it. But, you know, that's the way God is with us. He wants us to have a grateful heart, and then he is wanting to do anything for us. He's wanting. To, he's the, the father that gives us good gifts. He's the kind father. He is the loving father. He, he wants to do good things for us. But when we have an, an entitlement mentality or spirit that says it's never enough, I deserve this, it's my right, I want it, then that's when I think his blessings start to dry up. Paul said in Colossians 3.15, always be thankful. He said in verse 16, sing to God with thanksgiving in your hearts. 17, and all you do, give thanks to God. Psalms 107 verse 8 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. We can always have a thankful heart because it's a choice. I choose to be happy, I choose to be thankful, or I choose to be grumpy, or I choose to see the glasses half full rather than and half empty rather than half full. So I'm going to read to you a story. I found a book by Max Lucado for my grandsons. And I was Christmas shopping, and it was called Where'd My Giggle Go? And so I'm going to read it to you as if I was in kids' zone in front of a bunch of kids or in front of my three little grandkids. I'm going to read it to you. But I want you to hear the message of this story. It says, I woke up this morning with a frown on my face. I looked for my smile, looked all over the place. I looked high and I looked low. I looked to and fro, but I could not find it. Where'd my giggle go? I felt kind of cranky. I felt kind of sad. I can't tell you why, but I even felt mad. No giggles, no fun. No fun, no siree. No giggle is not the best way to be. I made a decision that was really quite simple. What popped in my head was a cure for no giggle. I put my hand on my mouth. I reshaped my lips. I thought of some songs that made my feet skip. It had left for a while. It had gone far away. I told it, I miss you. Please come and play. The next thing you know, I felt something wiggle from deep, deep within. I started to giggle. I read that to my grandson, and he said, again, again. Many of us have lost our giggle. We've lost our joy. We've lost our grateful heart. We go through life with a scowl on our face. We go through life just, I said it in first service, I'll say it again. Sometimes you look at someone, you think they must be constipated because but as Christians, we're supposed to have a grateful heart. As Christians, we're supposed to have joy on our face. My mom used to sing a song. Do I have time to sing it? My mom used to sing us a song as little girls. I have two sisters. So there's three of us girls. 
And it goes like this. And I'm not Claire, but I'll sing anyways. My mama told me something a little girl should know. It's all about the devil, and I learned to hate him so. She said he'd never leave me if my heart was filled with gloom. So open up your heart and let the sun shine in. Oh, let the sun shine in. Face it with a grin. Smilers never lose, and frowners never win. So let the sun shine in. Face it with a grin. Open up your heart and let the sun shine in. Every day, every day we have a choice. The psalmist says, when you rise up in the morning, thank the Lord. When you go to bed at night, thank the Lord. All throughout the day, we should say thank you. Thank you for those birds that are singing. Or thank you for the rain that's watering our grass. Or thank you for, for the beautiful storm that we're seeing in all your majesty and power and strength. Thank you, Lord, for my children, even if they're misbehaving and they're not in the best mood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for clothes to wear, even if they're not the newest style or fashion. But I thank you, Lord. Thank you for food to eat, even if it's not the richest filet mignon. But I thank you, Lord, that I have something to eat. Every day we can choose thankfulness. Psalms 92, 1 through 4 says it's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It's good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Listen, if you wake up in the morning on the wrong side of the bed, go back to bed and get out on the other side. It's a choice. It's a choice. We choose every day whether we're going to have a grateful heart. Let me tell you what God does for those that have a thankful heart. It says in scriptures that he hears our prayers. He gives us fresh strength. He gives us courage. He fills us with good things and satisfies us. When we are grateful, we have peace. And here's one of my favorite things when I was looking through the scriptures on thankfulness. It says that when the disciples came to Jesus and said, what are we going to do? We have 5,000 men and women and children and so many to feed. And all we have is a little few loaves of bread and a few fish. What are we going to do? And you know what Jesus did? He took the little they had. He gave thanks to God for it. And then he gave it to his disciples and said, now go feed the multitudes. And you know that multiplication took place. Not only did they have enough to feed everyone and everyone was filled and satisfied, but then there was so many leftovers. They could have fed another whole crowd of people. Thankfulness is a choice. We can choose joy or we can choose grumpiness. We can choose to be thankful, or we can choose to focus on what we don't have. It's our choice. We can focus on, to choose thankfulness, we focus on who God is. He's compassionate. This is all in 103, Psalms 103.8. Compassionate, merciful, filled with unfailing love. He's uh, a, like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. Psalms 118 says that, Lord, I thank you because you are good. Your love continues forever. Thankfulness magnifies who God is. 
Whereas, and it, it causes our circumstances to become small and little. But when we focus on our circumstances, it makes God become small and little. We can be thankful when we remember what he's done for us. Psalms 103 says that we will remember that you forgive all our sins. You heal all our diseases. You redeem us from death. You crown us with love. And the last thing I wanted to say is that thankfulness is not dependent on our circumstances. Ephesians 5.20 says, give thanks in all, always and for everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. James says that when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So how do we give thanks in every situation and all circumstances? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 that there are present troubles are small. They won't last for long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So if we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We fix our gaze on things that we can't, that cannot be seen. Listen, we choose what we look at. We choose what we focus on. And we choose joy. We choose happiness. We choose thankfulness. Or we choose to be grumpy and mad. And then we'll be miserable and sad. I didn't mean to rhyme. But I wanted to tell you how thankful I am for my church. First, I want to say thank you to my husband, Pastor John. He, through this season, the last few months, has been so gracious and kind. When my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I flew to Hawaii to bring him home. And Pastor John sent me, paid for it and then has been gracious to embrace my parents. But let me tell you about our church. Our church surrounded me in a moment when I didn't know what we were going to do. My dad had cancer, and they said, get him out of Hawaii. It's going to be months before he can see a doctor, get a CT scan, get a PET scan, and get any kind of treatment. California said, it'll be there three to five months behind. You're not going to be able to get any help. I started praying. My sister Robin and I tried to figure this out. We called Sister uh, Dr. Ayo all of Sunday. She said, I'll get you a PET scan within a week. You, you let me know when you're coming and we'll get it on the books. She saw him. We got in on a Friday. She saw him on a Monday. She got a CT scan on a Wednesday and then a PET scan on a, the next Monday and then appointments with oncologists here in Texarkana. We didn't have any place for my parents to stay because my house was not built with a handicap bathroom. And um, someone said, I got a house for you. You can move in it as soon as you land. And literally, we were able to land and move in it. Someone, my mom broke off two teeth the day we were leaving to come to Texas. And a dentist in our church, Dr. Carmony, he said, no problem. As soon as you land, bring him to my, her to my office and we'll get it taken care of. I needed caregivers for my mom. And I can't tell you how many women in our church have stepped up to help take care of my parents. Um, Brother Ron Brooks, he's been helping me with taking my dad to his appointments. Our church is a giving, kind, compassionate church that loves people. People have been praying for my dad. They have been surrounding my family. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for being an incredibly awesome church. I love you. Now we're going to watch 
my dad, he was not filling up to being here in this service, but we're going to watch as he preached last night. A man with cancer that has taken, tried to suck the life out of him, he is doing well and he is getting better. I love this church. I love the atmosphere that I've felt these three or four weeks. I loved the five-part sermon, sermons on worship that uh, Pastor John, excellent, thorough, absolutely God's eternal purpose is to have a people that will honor him and trust him and love him and expect from him to be everything that the Bible says he is and will do everything that God said he would do. And you got to know something about God that you will learn in just a few minutes if you don't know it. In England, there was a criminal that was getting ready to be hung for crimes. And the king of England said, before we hang you, is there any request that you want? And he said, yes, I want a drink of water, and I don't want you to hang me until I drink the entire glass. The king said, bring this man a glass. And this guy on the gallows took the glass and turned it upside down and poured it out. And he said, you can't hang me. Because God's word is like this. He honors his word above his name. When he says something, it's done. When he says something, it will happen. When he says something, you don't have to fret and stew and bite your fingernails and worry and be restless and nervous and mean and ugly because God said it and he honors his word. And that's why I knew that if I came to this church with the powerful anointing that's in this church, that I would be surrounded by the eternal, infallible, uncomparable, never lying word of God, and I needed it. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to be long. I'd like to preach, but I'm, I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to do what God told me to do. Jeremiah, if you turn to it, you'll see it on the screen. Thus says the Lord, 
over 150 times you will find in Jeremiah. Thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord says. This, everybody say that out loud. This is what the Lord says. I don't hear you. What is wrong with you people after I complimented you? This is what the Lord says. Not President Biden or Boredom or whatever his name is. It's what the Lord says. Just what the Lord says. Prophet, a powerful prophet, he came here many years ago, Jim LaFoon. I was getting ready uh, to preach. And he walked to the platform and he said, who are you to say that all of your friends die in their 80s? Well, George Evans died, Leonard Fox died, and I went on about a list of 15, 20 people, they all die. I was just telling that to my wife. It was nobody's business but her. But the prophet, it was nosy, and he found out. Who are you? God determines your life, and God determines your ministry, and God determines what you should be and how you should be, and God determines what gifts he gives, and God has given to every single person in this church a gift, and you got it, and you got to use it. Come on. Hallelujah. And so... Here's what he says, this man, Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, the people who survive the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I went to give him rest, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I like this term, grace in the wilderness. That's what's happened to America. That's what happened to our world. That's what happened. It's become a wilderness. Wrong is right. Right is wrong. Everything is topsy-turvy, upside down. You can kill. You can steal. You can rob. You can be... A fornicator, you can rape, you can do all of these filthy things in America, and they say it's okay. It's okay. This is a wilderness now. But I'm reminded of the many wildernesses, and some my daughter just reminded you of. I'm reminded of the wilderness moments in my life. And how at times I seem to be drawn even closer to God. I, I seem, I seem to, to draw near to him. And as I go through these seasons, I became increasingly aware that God was working grace in me. I found grace in the wilderness. Say it. I find grace in the wilderness and in the wilderness because God finds you in the wilderness moments of your life. If you cannot permit God to draw near to you, 
in, in the desperate moments of your life, then the likelihood is slim that he will ever capture you for himself. These moments of wilderness when your soul cries and thirsts for hope and strength, the moments that God monitors carefully, for these are the great opportunities to move in you and to weave his web of grace into your life. The grace of God comes most mightily when you welcome him into your wilderness. Yes, the pillar of fire, the leading hand of God, shines brighter. And you just heard Linnell sing it. Open up your heart and let the sun shine in. <laughs> Open up your heart. Yes, yes, America is in trouble. Yes, it's been the worst it's ever been. It, it's never been anywhere. God spoke to me and gave me a prophetic word. And I gave it boldly. And, and seven things that were going to happen would be the worst floods, the worst storms, the worst fires, and the worst epidemics that's ever happened. But God, God said it. Not the devil. God said it. The worst. Now, God knows what is happening, and God knows what he purposes to do. And I want to tell you right now, your wilderness is going to be a blessed experience that's going to reset your life, reset your prayer life, reset your gifted life, reset the way you approach and the way you feel about matters that you can't change. There is going to become a resetting to the churches all over the world where Jesus Christ will be Lord and Master. And when we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth. We'll start getting happy. We'll start getting gracious. <laughs> we'll start finding the grace of God. Can I tell you something? The grace of God is not just unmerited favor. The grace of God is power to face anything. Face anything. The grace of God is giving you power to face any wilderness, any tragedy, any calamity, any devil. Because greater is he that is in you than any devil that is in the world. I don't hear you. Don't you believe the Bible? Sure. I'm in an airplane. I've been seven months preaching in Africa, pouring myself out. I'm about 18 years of age. I go to Africa, don't know a soul, don't know one person. But I feel led to go, and I go to a little church in Rogers, Arkansas, and they take up an offering. <laughs> and it was $1,500. And it bought me a trip to Africa and landed there at the airport. I don't speak Afrikaans. I don't know anything about the language. 
And the Lord just kind of prompted me, why don't you go to the yellow pages and find out what the churches are like and find one that you can go preach. So I looked and I found a church. It was founded by John G. Lake. And there were hundreds of churches all over Africa. And I picked one out. And I just said, I'll dial the number. And I dialed the number. And I said, oh, I'm Emmanuel Canis Tracy. I'm here. I want to pray for the sick, cast out devils, and preach the gospel. And I'm, I'm, I'm here at the airport. And he said, well, what denomination are you? I said, I'm no denomination. Oh, you can't say that. This is Africa. You've got to belong. You got, well, I belong to Jesus, and I, I am dependent upon him. He said, I'm going to come and get you. And he came and got me. He said, this is your bedroom. Tomorrow you will preach. I preached tomorrow. And he called the head of all of the churches of Africa, and he said, we found our man. I'm 18 years old. Oral Roberts had just left where he had a couple hundred thousand people, and they took up an offering, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but Africa would not let him take the money out. And so he said, here, take this money and start a 100,000 soul crusade. My wilderness turned out that I was preaching to thousands of Zula, and we saw people delivered, blind eyes opened. The first day of the meeting, one lady came in chained, with real chain, and sit, they sat her down on the floor in front, and here I'm that far away from her, and she's growling, and I said, to my interpreter, Nicholas Bengu, six foot four inches tall. I said, I can't preach with this woman carrying on like that. <laughs> well, she's demon possessed. I said, I'm, I'm, I know she's demon possessed. <laughs> but you've got to unchain her. You can't unchain her. She'll kill you. Unchain her. Take those chains off her. And they took off her, and she took one lurch from me and fell down. And I put my hands on her head, and I said, you dirty, rotten devil. I got the scripture the day before I left. It says, I shall tread upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of devil, nothing by any means. Get out of here! She fell down, weeping, received Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And from the back of the tent came a woman with a little baby, nipple baby, and gave it to this woman. She bared her breast and fed the baby. The baby was born, and she went insane and became demon-possessed and now full of the, come on now, hallelujah. The wilderness is the place you'll find grace no matter what you face. One more illustration. I'm in the airplane now coming back home to marry my wife. My wife, her father said I could marry her at a certain age, and then I don't care who she marries. It was very nice. <laughs> and so I was flying home to marry this girl that was hopelessly paralyzed with infantile paralysis, given up by the doctors, 
two brothers in the services, one overseas, one stationed in Hawaii, flew, flew, the government flew them home to the deathbed to be there for her death. But she didn't die. She saw an ad in the paper, and it said, bring the sick, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. And there was a picture of an evangelist. And she said, Mama, take me there. And my mother-in-law said, you can't go, Shirley. The doctor can't let you go. You, 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 you can't walk. And she said, I want to go to that meeting. Mother won. The devil lost. And they brought her in, crutches, braces. We prayed for her, and she walked without crutches or braces for till midnight two or three hours walking back and forth in that auditorium, completely healed by the power of God. Grace in the wilderness! No matter what you're going through, and I know you're going through it, and I know it hurts, and I know that, 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 that this is a terrible, a terrible thing. I know it, but God's going to turn it around. And it'll be a victorious thing. It'll be a, th a thing where you will see the power of God's spirit in you, working in and through you to amaze you at your ability to withstand the terrible demonic forces that would like to just drain you of all your hope and all your happiness and all your thankfulness and all, and all of what we're talking about and preaching about. But I want to tell you something. He's not taking my smile. He's not taking my joy. He's not taking my thanks. He's not taking my hallelujahs. He's not taking my glory to God. He is God Almighty. Hallelujah. That little stupid cancer is gone. Hallelujah. He's dead on arrival. Listen, I'm telling you, I gave you the sermon when I was here when the pandemic started and we passed out forks. I have to tell you this. Pastors won't tell you this. They're scared to death to tell you this. But I'm going to tell you, God's got a plan through all of this junk to all this stupidity, to all this, uh, I can't swear, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's filthy, no good for nothing things, through it all. <laughs> through it all. God wins, the devil loses. Revival is happening. God will get glory. In a Stand up and shout if you believe it. Hallelujah. Come on! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, glory to God! Hallelujah! John, you had the word. That was the word. The word. Don't pay attention. Don't pay attention 
to these idiots that are telling you that they're going to take and make America a socialist and they're going to take and make it communist and they're going to do this and that. They got no power. The church has the power. The Holy Ghost is in you. The Holy Ghost is in this church. The Holy Ghost is in every man, woman, boy, and girl that's born again. If the Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal body by that same Spirit. Put your hands up and shout for a half hour. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Not bad for a couple rounds of chemo and radiation for three or four weeks, huh? <laughs> well, I'm sorry he wasn't able to be with us in person, but I think you got the, got the gist of it. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to close our, our, our service today, but don't think about Cracker Barrel just yet, okay? Because I believe there's going to be an impartation of this grace. Grace in the wilderness. Grace is God's kindness. It's God's mercy. It is the ability to find joy in troubling situations. Grace is the ability to believe when everything looks impossible. Grace is knowing that God is still with me. Grace is finding light in a very dark world. It is the kindness and the mercy of our God. And if you're here today and there's a wilderness in your life, it could be in your marriage, your family, could be with one of your kids, could be your health, could be the future, the uncertainty of the economy of your job. We all know what the wilderness is like. What we all anticipate is the grace of God to give us endurance in the wilderness and hope to see it through. And if you're here today and you're in that wilderness and you want us to pray for you that God's grace would grow and increase in your life, I want you to just slip out of your chair and come to the altar right now. Come on up right now. Let us pray for you. Dozens of people last night coming say, there's a wilderness in my life. Come on. Come on. Let us pray for you. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. The same God that cares for my father-in-law, the same God that cares for my wife when she had breast cancer. Come on, let us, let us pray with you. The same God that has been with you thus far will be with you in the future. Grace. Perhaps you're here today and would like to have a child and for whatever reason you can't conceive. Grace. Come let us pray for you today. Maybe you're battling for a loved one right now. Someone you care about deeply, you want to stand in the gap. Come, let us pray for them. We're going to believe God for grace. We're going to believe God for the mercy of God. We're going to believe God that with God all things are possible. The same God that looked at Abraham and Sarah, 199 years of age, and they're going to have a baby. It's impossible, but the Bible says with God all things are possible. And so often in our endurance of a difficult situation, we lose our faith. And if you're here and you've lost your faith, come up. I want you to come. I want you to believe God for a revival of faith. Maybe you're here today and maybe Satan has robbed from you.
Maybe finances have been stolen from you and it seems impossible. There's a legal shield around them. I mean, you know, God can open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we're not able to receive. If you need that grace in your finances, you come too. We're going to pray for you right now. Here's what I want to happen. We're going to just begin worshiping right now. But I want our prayer team to just move through the crowd right now and just lay your hands on people and just pray a blessing over them right now. Prayer team, come on up. I just want you to mix through the crowd. I want you to listen to the Lord. And I want you to begin praying over these people. If you're in the audience, why don't you just join me and let's lift our hands towards them. We can't touch them all. And the laying on of hands is a biblical ideal for prayer. But this is similar to what we're doing. Lord, we want to pray for our friends right now that are gathered in this altar. You know what their needs are. You know what their heart is. You know what, Lord Jesus, their struggles are. We just want to pray that God himself would invade their life. Come on, begin to pray that with me right now. That God himself would invade their life. That the darkness would be driven away. That hope would arise in their hearts. Come on, pray for them right now. Pray for them right now. Those that have been robbed of peace and robbed of health. Pray with me, church, right now that God would break through. See, some of the wilderness is caused by demonic activity. Some of it is spiritual. We want to pray right now that that spiritual power will be broken in the name of Jesus. Come on, just pray that right now, that the spiritual power of darkness would be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. That the Spirit of God would rise afresh in their hearts with healing on their wings. Uh, some, of the, some of the issues, though, is a matter of timing. And they're going to have to go through a season, through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to pray with me right now that God would give them strength, that they would have staying power, they would have willpower, that they would not give up, that they would not quit, that they would not turn their back away from God, that they would not walk away. Come on, church, pray with me right now. Pray with me right now that they would be made strong in the grace of God. Strong in the grace of God. Others in this altar are needing wisdom to know what to do right now. I want you to pray right now with me that God would release unto them His wisdom. That God would show them what to do. That God would show them how to do it. Come on, just bless them right now, Lord. Fill them afresh with Your Holy Spirit. Give them ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Others perhaps if are in the pickle that they're in because there's unforgiveness in their hearts. If that's you, I want you to listen to me. It, it squelches the flow of God in our life. Unforgiveness, I want you to just release those that have hurt you right now. Those that have taken advantage of you, those that have abused you, those that have lied to you. Even though they deserve justice, I want you to release them with mercy right now. I want you to release them so that not only they're not going to be bound, you're not going to be bound. But you're going to be free. You're going to be liberated in Christ Jesus today. We just bless you right now. Come on, church, just say that. We bless you. We bless you right now. We bless you right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. They're going to sing this last song, and then we're going to dismiss. I want to ask this question, too, or perhaps make an opportunity for anyone that's here today. Maybe... Maybe you'd simply say this, Pastor, my greatest need is a relationship with God. Maybe you're honest enough to say I'm away from God. I don't know how it happened, didn't mean to, but I'm simply away from God. And I need to get back with God today. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. Maybe you're carrying the weight and the burden of your sins. Listen, friend, no matter what you've done, Jesus can forgive you and give you a brand new start. 
maybe you're here today and you've tried to find happiness in the world, tried to find happiness in, I don't know, education and pleasure and cars and, and, and all the things that we do, hobbies, relationships, sex, looking for something, but something's still missing in your life. I want to tell you there's a God-shaped hole in every person that only God can fill. And if you're tired of following after the world for happiness and you're ready to turn your heart to Jesus, I want to encourage you as we're singing this song today and you want to get right with God, to just make your way out of your chair and come over by the cross. That way we'll know you're there. Someone will pray for you and we'll give you something to help you in your relationship with God. But let me just encourage you now. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I need to get right with God, I want to do it now. Just slip through this crowd, make your way over to the cross, and someone will meet you there. I love you. We're going to sing this last song. We'll see you this Wednesday night for prayer and worship. In spirit.